1: again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Two of our worlds collided this week when Jeopardy James Holzhauer entered a couple of World Series of Poker events. But alas, his luck from his Jeopardy loss against Emma Betcher has carried over into the WSOP. He couldn't catch a break. Uh, James had the perfect tweet, as he often does. He wrote, I lost on purpose because my daughter wanted me to come home. Uh, Who has a better WSOP story, John? The guy who eliminated Jeopardy! James from his first WSOP event or the guy who eliminated Anthony Michael Hall from the WSOP Media Celebrity Tournament 13 years ago? Oh, okay.
2: I should have, should have realized that would be going back to haunt this. Uh, you know, Eric, Bruce Springsteen wrote a song called "Glory Days." You might remember that one. I uh, do. Yeah, that was a real, real teenage high school friend of his. And um, you know, you don't want to be that guy. He's still reliving uh, your past all the time. Uh, you know, I don't <laughs> think he gets any, I don't think he gets any residuals on that. You know, that's uh, that's not good. But uh, you know what? Why don't you plug which gamble on podcasts? You told that story, honestly. Remember, <laughs> or maybe people have to listen to all of them just to make sure they don't miss it.
1: That's a good idea. Keep keep mentioning <laughs> it over and over again. I don't, Anthony Michael Hall, though, he could throw that speedball by you make you look like a fool <laughs> I'll tell you that much
2: uh that's a that's an opening i won't take
1: <laughs> speaking of the wsop i can't believe that the uh the main event starts next week the uh, the wsop really flies by when you're um barely paying attention to it as i have been this year but i always perk up for the main event perhaps we'll uh, uh, perhaps we'll have more to say about that on next week's podcast i think we will All right, so uh, that'll be on episode number 47 of Gamble On. But for now, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode 46 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 45 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Also, a quick plug for a separate U.S. Bets media venture, we're coming up on the 14th episode of The Gambling Update, our weekly video feature that takes just three minutes to catch you up on the biggest news of the week in our industry available every Friday on YouTube or at usbets.com. So if you haven't made that a part of your weekly routine yet, do yourself a solid and check out the gambling update.
2: And Eric, coming up a little later on the show, we'll be joined by Jay Rood, who you might know as a top executive at, at, with MGM Sportsbook Operators for many years. But uh, he left that job in May. He's now the chief risk officer for sports betting technology solutions for the company Betworks. Uh, we'll ask Jay about his career decision and get his take on a, on a few hot sports betting industry topics. But um, first has been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it.
0: Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
1: We didn't have to wait very long this week for major news to hit. First thing Monday morning, El Dorado Resorts Incorporated announced that it had purchased Caesars Entertainment Corp for about $8.58 billion, and it's actually valued at $17.3 billion, counting debt, uh, which makes El Dorado, which uh, will assume the better-known Caesars name— the biggest casino gaming company in the U.S. Eldorado already has a 20% equity stake in William Hill, and it's expected that William Hill will eventually take control of the sports betting operations across all the company's properties. But Caesars already has some sports betting-related deals of its own in place with ESPN, with DraftKings, etc. This gets kind of murky and complicated when we start trying to figure out how a company like DraftKings and its prospects for offering sports betting in various states is impacted by all of this. But one clear takeaway is that William Hill, quite possibly the pro sports betting community's least favorite sports book, is expanding its reach and consumers could be hurt by having fewer options. What takeaways stand out to you, John? And is this as bad for the sports bettors as some of the doomsday folks on social media are saying? Well,
2: you know, I think really uh, the actual number of impacted bettors would be relatively small. That's one thing. Right. But then again, you're talking about experts who make a living at this, and that's why it's not a big number, frankly. Um, now, philosophically, any book that cuts off players who are good at what they do is not a, not a great look. Um, you know, that's in a state like New Jersey, where I live, uh, those betters have plenty of other options, and there are rivals that say that the Sharps, like them, uh, provide real information, uh, real data, that, frankly, is worth potential losses, and, and they also avoid potential bad public relations and, uh, from cutting them off. So. But if any company gets a monopoly in any state, and those betters have no real option except illegal sports books because they're cut off from the legal, um, that's gonna become a bigger issue, and uh, even noticed nationally, As other states, you know, go along, you know, as far as the the behemoth mating, uh, that's a bad metaphor. (laughs) um, Well, I'm sure we ain't done yet. I mean, we've said it's it's an extraordinary time to be covering the expanding U.S. gaming industry. Well, the same is true for the national and international, these captains of industry. You know, it's going to take less than a year, I think, for it to become obvious who are big winners and who are big losers. And there's going to be plenty of both.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, the the M word monopoly scares me uh, just like it scares you. It's I, obviously we're not there yet. And especially in a state like New Jersey, even if a few of the options consolidate, uh, there are still plenty of options. But uh, elsewhere. Yeah. You just you just hate to see any industry inching toward monopoly status. Uh, and I should note that El Dorado. Also has a partnership with the Stars Group, uh, and Fox has an investment in the Stars Group as well. So there are connections now to this Fox Bet platform that's planned. It's just it's a lot of intermingling to keep straight. Um, But you know, I, I do know that many pro bettors, uh, however many there are, like you said, not a huge amount, but those those folks wanted to see as many competitors to William Hill as possible. Instead, they're potentially getting many iterations of William Hill. So it's it's a little concerning and certainly something to watch. Uh, and on a sort of a separate note, uh, but related, I saw a note that a New Jersey gaming official expressed concern that this deal will lead to El Dorado closing Bally's in Atlantic City. I have no idea how accurate that gaming official's uh, take is, but you know we've talked about whether AC maybe needs to reshed a casino or two. And if, if you've spent any time at Bally's, uh, you can see why uh, they, they might make sense as one to shed. I don't think people uh, will be uh, uh, crying too many tears if Bally's does end up closing up shop.
2: Yeah, it's a little scary, you know, for the, for the thousands of jobs at each casino. When you look yes. at this, going to be four, four casinos owned by the same company. Um, and uh, like you said, the nine is kind of pushing it. So that's a concern. One thing I was going to mention, because I don't think we have before, you know, New Jersey has been emulated in many ways uh, in their efforts in sports betting. But one thing that I don't think anybody has come close to is uh, up to 42 skins allowed in New Jersey. Hmm. Uh, and that that basically guarantees competition. I, mean, I don't care how much you consolidate, and it's not going from 42 to 1. And, <laughs> right. and there's, only, there's only about 14 or 15 live, but there's more coming um, by football season. I think we'll be close to 20. So um, so allowing that number of skins, you know, in New York, the the effort was going to be from between 1 and 6 in a bigger state, you know. Um, so I think I think this, this issue, even of whether it's William Hill or anybody else or, or – whatever would be solved if if states just allow a bunch of skins and then that way it it solves itself
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. All right. For our second story, speaking of uh, states and the number of online sports books that they have, uh, let's move over to Pennsylvania, uh, where we're not going to make a story of it every time a new online sports book launches in Pennsylvania. But we will this week because there are two launching at once, which triples the number of online books available. Uh, Sugar House, which opened a few weeks ago, was joined this week by by both Rivers, which uh, is like Sugar House, a Rush Street gaming property, and Parks, the casino about 20 minutes from my house, which just cut my commute to place a sports bet by about 20 minutes. Uh, right around when you hear this podcast on Thursday, the soft launch periods will be over, and the online sports books will be live 24 7 on laptops, desktops, and Android devices, but not on iOS devices for reasons we've discussed on previous shows. Here's the catch. There are now 3 online sports books, but there still isn't any diversity of options for Pennsylvania players. All 3 books are partnered with Camby. That's who provides the odds and the betting markets. So they all have the same options and the same spreads. The only variation is in the pricing on some bets, a few okay. cents here and there. Is this even much of a story worth discussing, John, the the fact that these two new sports books have opened online or is the Pennsylvania online sports betting industry just marking time until FanDuel comes in probably in a week or two and kicks everybody's ass.
2: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, oh, uh, I should mention that I visited that new DraftKings office in Hoboken right. on Tuesday. Um, it's uh, sort of forlorn. The, those Manhattan West Side residents who want to stick to legal betting, they can like wave just across the Hudson River and see the directly uh, see the uh, DraftKings employees uh, on the <laughs> on the waterfront and uh, realize. I don't know if they're going to maybe have like uh, pontoon boats this fall, kind of take the take the Manhattanites who don't want to uh, bicycle halfway across the George Washington <laughs> bridge they can they can get halfway across the river and get through that way I'm not sure but maybe, I maybe
1: they could set up a zip line from one building to another Ooh, that would be good river. that yeah. would
2: be very good they stop in the middle yeah and then you can do <laughs> the round trip or you can go directly back I like it yeah. but I digress like I say um, yeah I don't see any evidence that rivals can touch either DFS companies in any state where they land um, yeah sure the customer database is huge was a big advantage uh, but they didn't just coast on that lead in New Jersey um, they they were on they were ahead of every every single step of the way on uh, the traditional casino companies and uh, they're not going to coast in the future either so yeah i don't see anybody uh uh getting up to them as long as that state allows you know sort of open bidding which is questionable in some states
1: yeah and it's DraftKings is still kind of a question mark for whether they are going to have a presence in pennsylvania or not and that kind of Goes back to uh, the last discussion with the William Hill and the Caesars and all of the the ways that these companies are now connected with each other, and so I, that that remains to be seen. FanDuel is certainly coming and and uh, reportedly very close. Um, I'll just note with regard to what's already uh, available in Pennsylvania that I personally have an active account at Play Sugarhouse. I haven't made a deposit at Parks yet because the prices I've seen so far were all either the same or inferior to what Sugar House offered. They do have a nice free bet promotion. I imagine that I will at some point make a deposit and take advantage of that. But in terms of odd shopping, uh, Parks brings nothing to the table yet.
2: Yeah, that's that's a shame. I mean, it's, again, uh, the consumer benefits from competition, and I hope that uh, more states realize that.
1: Yep. All right, for our final story this week, let's check in on Washington, D.C., where the D.C. Council held a roundtable on Wednesday to discuss the district's proposed contract with Intralot to be its sole mobile sports betting contractor, with council members expressing displeasure over other companies not having an opportunity to bid, and also over Councilman Jack Evans being involved in this process while he's under investigation for improper business dealings. The roundtable lasted about three hours, And there was some discussion about slowing down, not rushing to decide anything and launch sports betting. Now that it's clear Maryland and Virginia aren't moving on sports betting yet, so there isn't as much urgency for D.C. to beat them to the punch. Uh, But if D.C. actually kind of backtracks and opens up a bidding process, uh, rather than just going ahead and handing the contract to the D.C. Lottery's vendor, Intralot. That could delay things by two years. Uh, the latest projections are that sports betting could start any time between the fall and early 2020. John, do you see any chance this gets pushed back further than that to allow a real bid process to take place?
2: Well, you know, I think back in the last six or eight months, and the legislators in some states, especially in the Midwest, have been saying, hey, I'd rather be right than be first with sports betting, and uh, let's take it easy. And, you know, for me, seeing New Jersey leap so quickly and so successfully, and um, I've sort of rebelled against it. well, you don't have to slow things down. I mean, you don't have to leap forward, but you don't have to be so deliberate. First of all, you have a, a couple of examples of uh, success. Um, but after this D.C. fiasco, I'm sold. Wait a year or two <laughs> or more, if need be, District of Columbia, because uh, yeah, I listened to one of these hearings four or five hours, it must be six months ago in D.C., and um, there's a lot going on that's not pretty. So, uh, yeah, they'd we be better uh, take some time and, uh, and get it right because uh, they have a chance to uh, – bad things can happen. I'm always amazed, but let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean it's sort of developing into a running theme with our news items this week of sort of the the contrast between have customers having many options or having something close to a monopoly. In this case, it would be a, a flat out monopoly if they proceed as planned, and I, I just don't think that's the way to go. But that doesn't mean that's not the way they're going to go, uh, at least initially. Uh, you know, could be that they'll Intralot will keep the contract and get up and running as the sole mobile sports betting operator. But once they see how far off the tax money generated is from what it could be, maybe they'll change the rules and additional operators will get licensed a year or two later. This, is, The whole thing provides a very nice microcosm right in D.C. of how things work in the government. You have uh, people under investigation making the rules and you have some bad ideas getting rushed through. Uh, so uh, I'd like to I'd like to say that I am uh, optimistic about Things going in a different direction uh, with this, but uh, I I kind of feel like even if they're slowing it down a little, they're going to end up on this monopoly path at least to start.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think of this from the upside down version. Um, suppose just any every state almost has a lottery, and if somebody said, "Hey, let's add a sports betting component, but we will make much less percentage off the top," and in fact, we'll make a product that some people can even beat consistently, not many, but a few. Um, why don't we offer that? And I think most lottery officials would laugh and say, yeah, we're not doing that. We're going to stick with this thing um, because we, we make a big a big cut off the top of, of the lottery. And um, I guess that's how they're looking at it. They're just not going to have professional sports bettors. Like I said, the volume is not going to be great. Um, their margins are going to be excellent. Uh, but um, I guess if that's what they want to do. But it's not – it's almost not sports betting at all. It really is kind of lottery-like if, if they're going to have the takes they talk about.
1: Yeah, well said.
0: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
1: A few weeks ago, we had Superbook's Jay Cornegay on the podcast, and when we asked him what has changed in Las Vegas post-PASPA, the first thing he talked about was how many of the big names in the sports betting industry were changing jobs and leaving the Las Vegas casinos. Shortly after that interview was conducted... Our next guest changed jobs and left the Las Vegas casinos. Jay Rude spent the last 25 years working for MGM, most notably as the MGM Resort's sportsbook director from 2008 until this year. But he just recently started a new job as the chief risk officer for Betworks. We're excited to talk to him about his career shift and the state of the sports gambling industry. So, Jay, welcome to Gamble On.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Good to be here.
1: So, congratulations uh, on the new job, of of course, Jay. Uh, what was the thinking behind the move? A- after 25 years at MGM, why now, and why BetWork specifically?
3: Um, well, you know, I mean, uh, I had a great run at MGM, and um, you know, I wasn't really looking to uh, obviously get out of MGM. Uh, uh, you know, we we were developing, uh, we developed our own wagering platform with IGT. Um, we were going in a really good direction. We were, you know, the, the first company last summer to, uh, launch in two jurisdictions. We had three sports books in a 45 day period, uh, that we opened last summer. And, uh, um, you know, we were, uh, really excited what the future held. And, you know, the last four years of, uh, of my life at MGM were really focused on, um, you know, national expansion. So, um, you know, when we, when we announced the partnership, uh, MGM announced the partnership last summer with uh, GVC, and um, we were going to be doing a 50-50 joint venture with them, um, there just was uh, some nuances that came out, and uh, it sort of uh, became clear that uh, my expertise and some of my team um, maybe weren't going to fit exactly the way I thought we were going to fit into that equation. Hmm. Um MGM uh, began to offer some buyout packages, uh, you know, some early termination packages to streamline their, their management team. And uh, I was one of them that it was offered to, and it was a very hard decision to take. I actually um, went back and forth several times on it, but ultimately um, decided to uh, take the offer from MGM, leave um, early, uh, focus uh, a little uh, time on you know family and taking a, a breather after 25 years and uh, you know I've been having conversation with Quentin Singleton and David Wang at, at Betworks and they showed me what they were uh, you know trying to get up and running and accomplish and you know they had some pretty exciting um, you know technology that they're bringing in and some partners that they're bringing in and uh, you know the first few conversations were you know who do you recommend that we could get in here to run a Vegas trading team? And, you know, I had a few names for them because I, I really, you know, thought I was going to be at MGM, but then it evolved into, well, maybe it's time to move on. You know, everything ends and, um, it was a great run and, and now I'm super excited to be with that works because, you know, just the ambition and the roadmap that we have and the partners that we have with like the score and, and we we're, were in talks with many other clients, uh, in Iowa, Indiana, um, and, you know, some some potential possibly here in Nevada. So uh, just the reach and and the ability for them to be able to move quickly with um, the technology that's already been certified by GLI to the highest level, I think, is really going to give an advantage to that works moving forward uh, in this space.
2: Okay. Yeah, Jay. Let well, first of all, I'm familiar with buyout packages and taking a breather, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a good thing. But anyway, let's talk about BetWorks. I know it's written as bet doc, uh, bet dot works, but uh, what they do specifically, and then you mentioned the partnership with the Score. That's in New Jersey, obviously. Score has the final Monmouth Park skin slot, and I've heard final approval is on the way there. So, what does BetWorks do, and what will they do with the Score in New Jersey?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, BetWorks is basically kind of a full solution, turnkey kind of a company that is going to be providing some uh, guidance and 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 solution for a company that wants to, you know, bring in sports betting in their jurisdiction where it becomes available. And um, we're going to help them through every step of the process, um, you know, securing uh, licensing, uh, the regulatory process. And then, you know, my team will step in and, and we'll be able to manage their risk for them. So, realistically we'll, we'll be there. We'll set the, the, the configuration to um, what their branded sports book will be, because it's not going to be a bet sportsbook. sports book. It's going to be um, the score sports book, and we're going to be um, helping them run it and manage it and, you know, be in contact with them on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis um, for them to start to understand how this, this uh, business works and, um, you know, to, to be honest with you, the, the score is a perfect company to start with because um, they're a great media company with a, a, a great base. And we, you know, they bring uh, the customers, they bring the, the passion for sports and we bring the betting expertise. It's really kind of a, a, a perfect marriage to start this, to start this adventure.
2: Yeah, can I just ask? You know, the there are a lot of uh, gamblers in New Jersey who are very familiar with the Score platform for years. And uh, uh, can we expect that they'll be able to to bet uh, on that platform in New Jersey and uh, by the football season?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, the Score is developing their platform. It's going to be uh, hand in hand with their current platform in the states that allow for that. Um, some states there may not uh, may not be able to facilitate it quite that way. So it might be a separate uh, area that you need to go to, but um, obviously we're going to make the user experience the best uh, that we possibly can. And yeah, you are correct. I mean, the score is known for um, being a really uh, gambler's best friend. I mean, many, many gamblers I know, um, you know, prefer the score over any other sort of sports site out there um, just because it's got a little bit more of a cutting edge to it and, um, I mean they, the content they push out uh, is is crazy I think they push out over a hundred and 1.5 billion alerts per month um, to their customers on on you know every sport imaginable um, you know that's a massive engagement that they do with their with their customers
1: and you mentioned that betWorks is uh, looking at uh, potential partners in other states uh, expanding beyond uh, New Jersey. Uh, Legal regulated sports betting is spreading from state to state, and most of the states are including mobile betting now. But the different states are going about it in all different ways. Um, One thing I'm curious about from both a a legislative perspective and and a sportsbook tech perspective, what's it going to take for the white market to excel and significantly diminish the use of black market sports books?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And that's, you know, um, a few, a year ago or so, I was on a panel with Vic Salerno back in New York, and uh, this was before the PASPA repeal. And, um, you know, he was saying that if this isn't done correctly, PASPA, you know, at the time when it was passed, uh, you know, some 25, 30 years ago, was the best thing for illegal bookmakers and, you know, the black market because it forced, um, you know, more business to them. And then uh, he also said that PASPA being repealed could be the best thing because um, if it's not structured properly from a tax rate standpoint, from a uh, a competitive uh, environment for the legal operators to operate and and go up against um, the black market uh, offerings – you know, we're going to have very little penetration if 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 we're being taxed at 30% like they have imposed at Pennsylvania. That's going to be a, a long-term model that could be very difficult to sustain. Um, you know, if you look at other states, obviously, like Nevada with a, a, a very reasonable tax rate. Iowa just passed a 6.75 tax rate. Um, New Jersey has a reasonable tax rate in the 8% area. Um, the more you... Um, Uh, make it more difficult for the operator to be able to offer a reasonable uh, offering and still make a good profit return on investment for investors and shareholders the more we're going to be able to go after that uh, black market and then you know we also have a partner in this as well and that's that's going to be the regulators um, and and the law enforcement that uh, you know we we are going to need them to step in at some point and 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 offer some assistance in this battle as well and um you know i think you know everyone understands that we want to turn that revenue uh, taxation dollar back towards the united states and be able to you know collect that and if if we make a an uncompetitive market um you know that 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 will not be accomplished
1: Right. Are, are are you liking what you're seeing so far from the New Jersey DGE in terms of the way that that they are trying to enforce things and go after the black market?
3: Yeah, I think New Jersey's probably one of the uh, more aggressive states. I mean, they obviously um, were the state that started all this. Chris Christie, um, you know, really took the battle uh, took and ran up the hill with this, and then you know, um, leaders in the, in in the gaming space like Dennis Drazen, you know, owner of Mammoth parts, you know, really, even after Christie was out of office, you know, continued this fight and he's kind of the one that was instrumental in getting this to the Supreme court and actually, you know, getting us to this state. Um, you know, he spent, uh, countless hours, dollars, you know, trying to get this accomplished him and many, many other people, you know, fighting the, the DOJ and everybody. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, they continue to, to beat that drum, and they're going to continue to be advocates for furthering the race and sports industry in the United States in a legalized regulated manner. And, you know, they'll, they'll be the ones that, that turn their focus now to um, trying to level the playing field for all the, uh, um, the sports books that want to operate in a legal, uh, regulated environment.
2: Yeah, Jay, speaking of that uh, New Jersey six-year uh, sports betting battle that they won last year, uh, I'm wondering how closely you followed it from Las Vegas, and um, uh, how unlikely did it seem? Did you think it was a you know kind of a fool's errand, or did you think they really might uh, uh, change the world there?
3: You know, I mean, it was it was a very um, on again, off again sort of subject over the years, and I think you know many of us in Las Vegas probably. Um, had the mindset that this was never going to occur because we were on the receiving end of most of the negative sort of um, conversations uh, with the leagues, um, with other legislative individuals that just didn't understand um, our industry and what we were really providing. You know, everyone thought that this was just one of the most underbellied – areas in you know the crime world and everything they they didn't realize what a product that we were offering was you know an entertainment product that you know the majority of the people that you know come to vegas and and engage in what we had to offer was you know very similar to like if you and your your wife went to a a movie and you know had a had a great evening together two or three hours that's kind of what, you know, the way most people consume race and sports, especially in the Las Vegas environment. You know, yeah, there's people that, you know, try and make a living out of this. And there's, you know, guys that, you know, are really high-frequency, you know, bettors and big-time betters that, you know, are a little bit more than the casual player. But this is really, you know, about entertainment. This is about providing a service to the majority of, you know, now, I guess, the Americans um, that want to be a little bit more invested in a game, that are strong. You know, maybe maybe they, they bet with their fanship, which hopefully they don't, and they bet with a little bit more information behind it than that. But um, even if that's all you do, if all we can do is if we open up a book in Iowa and a guy is a lifelong – you know, he's a third-generation Iowa Hawkeye fan um, – and he wants to bet thirty bucks every time he goes and watch the game because it gives him a little bit more of a charge. You know, great. I think that's you know a a great thing that he's now you know really aligned with his team and he's got a little bit uh, more skin in the game. and um, I, you know I think that, I think that's you know you're, you're bringing a little bit more entertainment to to individuals that you know wouldn't have had that or would have had to go find that somewhere that maybe was at risk you know, to them.
2: Yeah, and, and finally, Jay, uh, were you in the camp that had any concerns about Atlantic City peeling away a lot of the East Coast sports betting bettors from, uh, uh, from Las Vegas, especially for the Super Bowl and March Madness and all that? And it's fair to say that that hasn't happened?
3: Oh, no, yeah, it's very fair to say that hasn't happened. I mean, this last year um, you know, at MGM, we saw uh, you know, a, a really good amount of people still come to town. Our handle was was still pretty strong especially when you consider um that we uh had a couple of really large bets the year before um from better X that you know didn't show up uh this year so um you know we uh we have an awful lot more to offer here in las vegas and i think this the sports books that you see in las vegas are going to be hard pressed to be replicated anywhere else in the world um, especially when you think about the space that's dedicated to some of these books, like at MGM and at Westgate. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's an environment that's going to be hard pressed to be or replicated anywhere else. I think you're going to see books that are going to start to more, look more like a, maybe a Buffalo wild wings with a bedding component along with it. Um, but uh, you know, the hotels that we have here, the restaurants that we have here, the shows that we have here, the weather that we have here, um, you know, the fact that we're going to have the Raiders here and we've got, a, you know, uh, the Knights here, you, you, people are going to still want to come to Vegas. And I think it's just um, creating people in these other markets. You're creating customers for Vegas ultimately in the long run. There may be a lull here and there from different jurisdictions that, that pass sports gambling, like, um, you know, maybe our visitation from the Jersey area last year maybe dipped a little bit, but everywhere else, you know, will more than make up for that over the years. And that might be the case, you know, when another jurisdiction comes online. Well, maybe we'll stay home and see what you know our local um, brick and mortar operator has to offer us here. And I think the people will probably be a little bit disappointed in that experience um, if if they're used to what they normally get in Las Vegas, but you know, there's going to be operators that really go for it, too, you know, in the brick-and-mortar uh, uh, world as well and uh, ch- do try and recreate a, a Vegas experience. And, um, you know, especially operators that have that ability to draw from states that are going to be neighboring states that haven't po- uh, quite got on board yet, they're, they're going to be uh, really surprised at how much this jumps up your activity in your casino. We really saw that at MGM in the uh, in the Mississippi area, you know, the, the, the spot handle really jumped up, the table handle really jumped up. So, you know, this is uh, what I've been saying about Betworks. We're going to be able to bring this to clients who have regional casinos um, that are maybe on neighbor bordering States that don't have, uh, you know, the sports wagering approved as of yet. And they're really going to be able to take advantage of that because we're going to be able to go in there and help them get set up in a very quick manner.
1: All right, really interesting stuff. Been uh, great talking to you, Jay. Congrats again on the new job at Betworks. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you do there. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
3: I appreciate it, guys, and uh,
2: good right. luck to you guys.
0: Two men. Two
2: men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
1: Comeback is on, John. Uh, We have only two results in from last week's betting action, but both of them are winners. We are climbing right back out of the hole. You took Tommy Fleetwood to finish in the top 20 in the Travelers Championship, and he placed 13th. So that was the perfect bet. Uh, Top 10 would have lost. Top 20 was a winner. Uh, So we won $110 there. And I bet that DeAndre Hunter would go in the top five picks in the NBA draft. Atlanta traded up to get him at number four. So I won with a little room to spare, and we profited $115 off that one. So it was a tidy $225 profit this week. We're now down by $498, and we have $1,235 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with $8,267 available to bet this week, and you're up first.
2: Uh, all right, Eric, uh, time for soccer. Wait, no, not, not that one. Uh, Copa America quarterfinals. Um, not my area of expertise, to be uh, full disclosure, but I love the storyline. Paraguay knocks out Brazil in penalty kicks in 2015 and also had done so in 2011. Now Brazil gets them again, and this time they're the host. I want badly to pick Brazil to win, you know, but five ninety to win a hundred, um, no thanks. So I'll, I'll do a modest fifty to win three twenty-five. There's a tie that forces more penalty kicks, and Brazil wins that one. But then so do we if, the, if they get that far.
1: Hmm, okay, so specifically Brazil Brazil winning on penalty kicks, fifty to uh, twenty. No,
2: I don't. I don't need that. It's a tie. So uh, if they get the penalty kicks, we win.
1: Ah, okay, I see. So finishing a tie. Okay, all right, I like it. Um, I it's funny that you mentioned uh, no, not that one when you said uh, betting on soccer because I did flirt with uh, p- placing a bet on the U.S. women's soccer team, even though I know very little about it. But I thought maybe just to be patriotic, I would put a bet on them uh, against France. But I didn't go that route. Um, instead, I'm gonna start with. A futures bet. Uh, We haven't done any NBA win total over-unders yet, uh, in part because so many rosters are in flux. It's tough to make a bet with confidence. But here's one that I feel confident about. The New York Knicks under 29.5 wins. You'll recall this is a team that a couple of months ago had like 12 to 1 odds to win the 2020 championship. Uh, That was because people were certain Kevin Durant was coming and Durant hadn't torn his Achilles yet. Uh, Thought they'd add another max contract like Anthony Davis or Kyrie Irving, and maybe they'd even land Zion Williamson in the draft. Uh, Well, they're still the favorite to get Durant, but he isn't playing next season. They drafted R.J. Barrett, who figures not to be a difference maker as a rookie. They didn't get Davis. Signs point to them not getting Kyrie. Looks like they're not going to get Kemba Walker either. If they sign Durant, the idea is to start being good in the 2020 2021 season and to tank a bit this year to get a good draft pick. Uh, We don't know exactly what their roster this season will look like, but it's not going to have any all-stars. It's going to be a lot of young guys like Barrett and Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith Jr. They went 17 and 65 last year. They're in the same tough division with Toronto, Philly, Boston, and Brooklyn this year. I don't see this year's team being appreciably better than last year's. Under 29.5 wins is a cinch unless they surprise me and sign a star player with two functional Achilles. Uh, so I'm betting $220 to win $200 on the under.
2: Well, also, I'm not going back to cover the NBA and the Knicks, which uh, they haven't been relevant since I left covering that league about 17 or 18 years ago. So uh, it was a good 10 year run, though. They, they came close to a championship, got to a couple of finals, so I had a good time, picked up a lot of Marriott points, a lot of uh, flyer miles.
1: So it was you, a good we, run. You forget they were relevant for like a week during Linsanity. Don't uh, don't rule that out.
2: Okay, I guess so. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, here's my bet three of the other one. Um, yeah, I, I even blindsided you here. Uh, Friday, U.S. Women's World Cup, U.S. Oh,
1: okay, I'll
2: go. In. Um, <laughs> you know, give me, forgive me, audience. Uh, France at 100 to win 225. Um, USA did not dazzle against Spain. This is a road game. And in spite of the increased use of replay in soccer, um, I can't promise that the U.S. gets every call in this game, got to tell you. Um, plus, I already won big with the Europeans over the U.S. in the Ryder Cup last fall. Granted, those are insanely favorable odds. But, so my status as a unpatriotic uh, uh, better is already established. So uh, <laughs> France at 100 to win 225.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm quite glad that I uh, I really was thinking of going the opposite way, and that would be a, a real problem for our bankroll because we couldn't possibly finish ahead if we would taken opposite sides of the game. So, all right, I'm rooting for France. Yeah, kid, I
2: guess kids at home don't don't bet on both sides. <laughs> no.
1: Uh, All right, so I'll finish then with a baseball bet. Uh, Tonight, the Dodgers start a series in Colorado against the Rockies, and I found even money on over 11.5 runs scored in the game. Now, that is a high total. Most games, it's around 9, 9.5, but this is a Coors Field game. Uh, The Rockies and Dodgers are first and third in the NL in runs scored. In the Rockies' last series at home, which was against San Diego a week and a half ago, The scores of the four games were 9-6, 16-12, 14-8, and 14-13. That's an average of 23 runs scored per game. Now, I'll grant you the Dodgers have a good pitcher on the mound tonight in Walker Bueller, uh, 296 ERA, 0.88 whip. Uh, But on the other side, we have Peter Lambert with a 5.85 ERA and a 1.35 whip. He gave up eight runs in three innings in that 14-13 loss to the Padres two starts ago. Despite Bueller's ability, I'm not expecting a low-scoring game. And of course, as you've said many times, it's always fun to bet the over. So let's bet 100 to win 100 on over 11.5 runs at Coors Field tonight and that'll do it for this episode of gamble on thanks to everybody out there for listening you can find me on twitter at eric raskin and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and with that john please do the honors and take us out
2: well eric you know we've got two huge soccer tournaments uh, going on to not quite carry us into next week's british open golf um which over there they call the Open Championship, but we won the war, so we'll call it what we want back. So, (laughs) Rich Open. Uh, But after that, um, you know, maybe seek a little extra quality time, guys, out there with your family, big betters especially, and some small betters too. Uh, This is going to be your big chance coming up, so don't blow it. And until next time,
1: gamble on.